This episode of the 501st Cast is dedicated to Eduardo Ruben Bejarano Espejo, ID 16876, from Garrison, Peru, and honorary member and ILM alumni, Grant Imahara. We found a computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned to global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate decades of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. Give me regular reports, please. Right. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. Welcome back to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Vader's Fist. This is episode 124 for July 2020, and here are your hosts, myself, Joe, SL and TI12743. And this is Nikki, DZ8397. And this is Marcus, TK14057. The 501st Legion is currently at 14,167 members with 30,297 approved costumes in the Legion. Our newest member listed on 501st.com at the time of recording is Tiffany DZ77055, a new Jawa for Central California Garrison. In this episode, we play Bingo virtually, learn how Simon Pegg displays his 501st name badge, and have a great chat with Master Collector Steve Sansweet. Stay tuned. So has everyone caught our new weekly Star Wars quiz show? It takes place live every weekend, usually on Sundays, on our main 501st Legion Facebook page. It features members, in fact, Marcus was on the first one, and often an honorary member, mock competing against each other, and is led by our quiz master from Isle of Wight Garrison, Robin. Each game is done to fundraise for a different charity every week, so be sure to follow our Facebook page so you get a notification the next time our quiz show goes live. And speaking of live, did anyone catch the Fire First cast going live? to take viewers' questions on the main uh, Fire First Facebook page. This was our third time going live, um, and we the first time we went live through our Fire First cast page and the last two times through the Legion page, um, and everybody posted fantastic questions. Um, we haven't uh, had a curveball yet thrown that we couldn't answer, but, uh, you know, there's always a next time. Um, we did receive several requests to go live, once a month, so that's what we're going to do. Um, most will be basically Q&A sessions to answer questions about our club and how to join, but we're also hoping to do some custom-focused Q&As with guests from our detachments. So stay, stay tuned. So another virtual endeavor we've been working on these past few months has been 501st Storytime. As we mentioned back on our May episode, we have a new YouTube playlist set up, which is full of videos from our members reading Star Wars kids books in costume. We post two to three new videos each Sunday for Sunday Storytime. So head over to our YouTube channel to subscribe so you get notified when new videos go up. And if you're a member and want to submit videos, check out the info thread on the forums or you can email video at 501st.com. 
We have three new entries to our costume reference library since our last episode, and it should surprise no one that two-thirds of them are from our Clone Trooper Detachment. Both the Purge Trooper Commander and Coruscant Guard Phase 2 Heavy Trooper are completed and ready for independent garrison membership liaison approval. To backtrack, CRLs that are in place but not yet greenlit are still approvable costumes, but the GML may need to work with the Legion-level membership team to finalize review of the costume. And then lastly, our Bounty Hunters Guild finalized the amazing Embo from Star Wars The Clone Wars, and uh, definitely go check out the photo of that link in our show notes. We had a question during the live Q&A, which I was not a part of, about rare costumes, and I'd say that Embo is likely on that short list of seldom-seen costumes. As always, you can check out links to our CRLs in our show notes, and thanks again to the Legion membership team for these updates. This episode for our tiny segment on catching up with our, our honorary members, we wanted to give a shout-out to Simon Pegg, for highlighting his 501st Legion, although he called us Battalion. He must have picked that up from JJ. Highlighting his 501st Legion name badge during a video interview he did recently with BBC Radio. Check out the link to the article on Fantha Tracks in our show notes to watch the clip. And then, of course, just a little bit later on this episode, we'll be catching up with honorary and full Legion member Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. And this just in, The Mandalorian, um, the the show created by John Favreau, shown on Disney+, Plus, is a contender for Outstanding Drama Series, as well as 14 other categories for a total of 15 nominations um, that run the gamut from acting to cinematography, costumes to special effects, and to include recognition for the show's haunting score. Um, the animated show uh, Resistance also got an Emmy, uh, Emmy nomination um, so we'll see how that all turns out the High Republic publishing campaign um, initially start, uh, due to launch at Celebration Anaheim next month is now launching next year in January and speaking of next year sometime that year the new animated series Bad Batch will be premiering on Disney Plus and lastly, Tales from Galaxy's Edge, a new virtual reality game, is coming out late this year. So stay tuned. Yeah, so even though we don't have a, a big movie to look forward to, there's lots of cool Star Wars stuff on oh, the and Star uh, calendar. Oh, uh, and Star Wars Squadrons is also coming out. The new, uh, new game on all platforms. That's true. My son yep. just had me get him a new laptop so that he could <laughs> yeah. play it when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan. You're listening to the 501st Cast. On June 14th, Empire City Garrison had their first in-person, but also sort of virtual troop, in over three months when they attended the My Brother Vinny Walk in Yorktown Heights, New York. The venue and date changed from the original plan and accommodations had to be made due to the current COVID-19 restrictions, but five members from ECG were able to make an appearance. The walk was different than in the past. Legion members met with over 20 volunteers at a storage facility in Yorktown Heights that the charity uses to store donations. They changed in the office and were there to be um, part of their virtual walk, where people from around the area and around the country 
were walking and communicating through Zoom. They greeted the virtual participants over Zoom and interacted with the staff taking photos and handing out cards and citations. ECG troopers then went to the entrance of the main street to greet passers-by, some dropping off donations and others just curious about what the heck was going on, but both came by for photos. It was great to be out in public again and help the charity get some attention to their cause. It was truly worth the trip for everyone involved, and ECG was proud to support such a worthy charity. My brother Vinny is a New York State 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization. They organize and distribute furniture, housewares, food, and clothing to U.S. veterans, outreach groups, shelters, and families in Westchester County vicinity. They run the annual My Brother Vinny Walk and help local animal shelters and rescue groups in the aid and support of animal welfare. They establish and implement community-based events geared towards improving the enjoyment of life, happiness, and health of the emotionally, physically, and intellectually disabled. Every event they do has a benefit towards helping others and getting people involved. They strive to spread joy and add a personal touch to everything they do. You can learn more at mybrothervinny.org. For those who caught our Facebook live stream on June 6th, you may remember our guest host, Chris, from ECG, mentioning that his garrison will be participating in a virtual charity bingo. Well, that benefit took place last week on July 22nd, Star Wars Virtual Bingo Night, to benefit the Cerebral Palsy Association of Nassau County. Even with COVID-19 restrictions slowly being lifted in the New York area, in-person trooping opportunities have not materialized yet, and we all continue to get cancellations for many upcoming events. This was a fantastic opportunity to do a virtual interactive live event for a worthy charity and help them raise funds during these challenging times. CP Nassau ran a really fantastic event for about two hours with five games of bingo, a DJ, and trivia games in between the bingo games. They used the services of Kick and All-Star Party LI to help put it together and ran it as free registration and optional donation event. They had around 80 participants, including ECG members, join the party. There were also 501st members in costume from other garrisons, including Southern California Garrison, Neon City Garrison, Star Garrison, and Alpine Garrison, and one member from Rebel Legion's Echo Base in New York. Aside from a few technical glitches, it went very well and was a fun and exciting event for all the participants. After expenses, CP Nassau raised $1,500 in donations, plus the $500 ECG raised in their separate fundraiser on the charity's behalf. ECG will continue the fundraiser until the end of July and then switch it up to another worthy charity for August. CP Nassau is looking for a sponsor for the next bingo, and ECG will relay details if they can get another going and want to do another Star Wars-themed version. ECG troopers would be excited to do another bingo event in the future, and we would again welcome guests from other garrisons and other Star Wars costuming groups to attend. Thanks to Chris, TK6744, for those two reports. Imperial forces from Central California Garrison have been adhering to societal safety measures and were able to safely deploy to support a young family adoption earlier this week. Vader, Kylo, and several troopers supported a very special adoption ceremony formalized by a Zoom meeting. Uh, Mid-South Garrison had a troop in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is just outside Chattanooga. And since that's my garrison, I made the... Uh, three-hour trip to 
Cleveland, um, and it was um, supporting the um, Dominic Case, who plays Gecko in chapters one and three in The Mandalorian. He was signing at a local uh, comic book store. He does a about 25, uh, I guess, event trip throughout the U.S., starting in California and then all the way to Florida and then back to California uh, within like six weeks or so. So, yeah, we were there on the, what date was that? That was the 26th of um, July, and we were about a dozen um, customers from the Rebel Legion, the Mercs, and the 501st, and it was a great turnout. I mean, um, there were a lot of guests, or, sorry, not guests, there were a lot of um, you know interested parties to have them sign and, and buy things, and um, we were able to you know chat afterwards and before with him. He's a really cool guy, really um, you know, grounded and uh his son was there, his young son, he was about twelve and yeah, they've been just driving cross country since the end of June and um I think they're spending a few days at Disney um this coming weekend and um yeah. So I think we had troopers as far away as uh, Kentucky, like five hours away. So that was a really cool cool thing. Yeah, I think he was calling it his small business tour to to help out a yeah. lot of the small businesses during this time. Yeah. Yeah, I saw he posted something on his Facebook page. He got like, uh, I don't know if it was like one of those key to the, it was like a little oh, key. Yeah, he got a key to the city of Cleveland, yeah. It was so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is neat. Yeah, he did not expect that. I mean, just the way he, um, he's natural. He's, he's a, he doesn't fake anything, but he's just, uh, he was really, really surprised by that, which was nice to see. Yes. Yeah, I got to, uh, well, you probably did too. Uh, Marcus, we got to meet him uh, for the premiere of mm-hmm. Hollywood. And, you know, he came to lunch with us. And, you know, yeah, he's just a very, like, fellow fan, but celebrity at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah he, takes nothing, cool. he takes nothing for granted. He's very grateful for, for everything uh, pertaining to, you know, the Mandalorian and, he really shows his gratitude towards the fans. He takes his time with everybody. He doesn't he doesn't rush anybody through. It's just a very welcoming sight to see. Oh, Nikki, um, it says here that uh, someone has joined our conversation. I wonder who that could be. Todd? Is Todd finally here? I'm here. I'm here. You know, I was so wrapped up, uh, still catching up on the uh, SDCC at home. Uh, content that, uh, you know, I really wanted to make sure I was up to date on that. Uh, well, I have never been to San Diego Comic-Con, much less I didn't even get to watch any of the at-home stuff. So fill us in. Oh, sure. So I've been going to San Diego Comic-Con since 2003, since I moved to San Diego. And it is, I like to call it my favorite holiday of the year. And uh, so it's a big loss this year to not be around all that craziness that is san diego comic-con and uh you know for those who haven't been it's it's a great environment even though it is so you know madhouse crazy lines and everything you know all the studios bring so much uh you know new content and entertainment it all spills out into the downtown gas lamp area and so the streets are always just buzzing with people everywhere and and you know people in costume you know on all the streets and and everyone going out to the different hotels and and venues so i went down there on wednesday night that would have been the preview night of comic-con with the uh, dates that they were supposed to be scheduling and 
more. It just, you know, it didn't feel like Comic-Con, you know, without actually being there a little bit. Right. And so I kind of wanted just to pay my respects. So I got into my uh, Thai pilot costume and met up with uh, another uh, cosplayer. Uh, he does this uh, uh, like steampunk samurai gold Vader uh, he goes by Dude Vader. If you, uh, you may have seen him on the interwebs, social media. Uh, so he and I and a couple other people as Marvel characters, we decided just to go and take some pictures around the convention center. Uh, it was, I'd say, surreal, you know, going from, you know, the hubbub that it should be to, you know, everything like completely dead. You know, hotels that, you know, uh, like boutique hotels that aren't open, you know, boarded up. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, some streets are rather dystopian. Um, but there was one nice thing. Well, there were several. But one of the things that uh, there's one restaurant that's right there as soon as you get off the convention center grounds. And it's called the Tin Fish. And normally they have a big, expense, expensive Offsite event like by oh, who is it? I think it's normally NBC that normally ha- uh, take that space. And it was all completely empty. But there was a shrine to Comic-Con. It, yeah, it was it was it was neat. You know, like there were pictures that were up there, were you know, little signs, some little action figures, you know, and art, some artwork and a whole like bed of flowers. And, you know, so people were able to go and 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 join it, add things to it. They ended up expanding it even uh, as the days of Comic-Con went on to more chalk art and things leading up to it. I know you had described it at one point as uh, people were kind of in mourning that there was no Comic-Con this year. So that that tribute seems to exemplify that. Definitely. You know, I uh, it, it felt wonderful, actually, because I have not done anything since March, you know, really, uh, other than go out to do grocery shopping or Costco. And that's about it. So this is really the first time I've, you know, actually gone and suited up and gone out in the real world just to do something more frivolous. Uh, but it was, you know, we made sure to very much do it very safely, social distancing, masks, everything. But there were a few people that were there that were kind of feeling the same way. And you could see they had Comic-Con themed masks on and uh more than anything was uh you know they they wanted to pay tribute as well it's like it just didn't seem like comic-con without without being at the convention center and they were so thrilled to actually see people in costume you know people to connect with because so much about uh, you know most conventions i think but especially san diego is a time to you know connect with you, the fellow fans of the properties and and things that we love right i know myself you know, there, there are fa- uh, friends of mine that are from all over the world that only come to San Diego that one time a year where we all get together. You know, so it's that camaraderie and that togetherness that, uh, you know, was uh, we were really missing. And, you know, we still didn't get that as much from the online content. But Comic-Con did do, I'd say, a, a fantastic job with making the Comic-Con experience available. Uh I think in the past, uh, you know, Comic-Con hasn't really used social media and, you know, the uh, online presence to much potential, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, they always focus on the physical event. So this time they had to pivot very quickly. And I think they did a really good job. They had a lot of content and it was, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the studios and, 
um, you know, they would have panels with all, you know, the casts and producers and directors and things like that, just like, you know, Comic-Con, uh, you know, would. And so it was really neat. You know, I, I know myself, I saw, I watched a panel on um, The Boys. I watched, um, uh, I know there was a panel on uh, Star Wars literature. There was, um, uh, what else? I, I, uh, I'm also a big brown coat, so I watched the Nathan Fillion one just recently because uh-huh. Nathan Fillion, a- anything he does is just fantastic. Um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> now, uh, but yeah. we understand that he also, at all, we understand that he also became an international celebrity. Well, what <laughs> Well, yeah, well, we uh, went down and took those photos on Wednesday night. You know, we were just, um, you know, say doing our own little kind of tribute. And uh, Comic-Con was having an online kind of costume contest as well. So you could go and send in pictures and, you know, tag, you know, I think it was hashtag Comic-Con at home cosplay. And uh, so they wanted people to send in pictures and that. So that's, you know, primarily what we uh you know, we're doing because I think you needed to send in the photos by Thursday noon. So we took these photos on Wednesday, but there were a couple of photographers out there who, uh, uh, take a lot of photos at different events, including Comic-Con for the uh, Getty images site. And so they took some pictures and then put them over the newswire, you know, made that available. And all of a sudden with, you know, like the next morning I found myself on an article for the, uh, Manila Standard, uh, the Philippines um, uh, newspaper. So, thought, wow, awesome. that, yeah, wasn't expecting to see that the next morning. But uh, yeah, it was a great picture of me as a Thai pilot in front of the gas lamp sign. You know? <laughs> nice. Let's like say they really. I think Comic Con did a great job at trying to, uh, you know, duplicate the experience in a virtual way. Uh, I really like one of the other things they did was they allowed people to download signage and sound files so that way people could replicate their own comic-con experience at home <laughs> so they had signs for concessions and badge pickup and uh what else um you know the, and the, some of the different ballrooms you know like hall h ballroom 20 and and so you could set up your home you know to still kind of duplicate that experience and uh, i think that was a, a really nice thing you know they really didn't just sort of be like, okay, here's some content, you know, in the meantime, you know, it's like, no, they really attempted to replicate the experience. There was also uh, an exhibit hall that you could go to. You could go and click on uh, a vendor listing and it would take you to their website. So you could still go and purchase products and uh, view products from uh, people that, you know, companies that would have normally been exhibiting at the con. And uh, yes, an online contest, they held an online masquerade where, you know, the, annual costume contest where people just had to submit their photos, you know, in advance. And I think they limited it to 40 contestants that, uh, you know, would be visible on Tumblr and, you know, they would do a whole experience there. So yeah, I, I do really think they did a, a really good job. It was, you know, not the same, definitely, but it, it filled that hole in my heart, I think, uh, from having it ripped away. <laughs> <laughs> I know they had a virtual uh, fan club area, too. So the 501st had a, a virtual table and Rebel Legion and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, we didn't have a panel this year, but we normally do uh, for Imperial Sands Garrison and, uh, yeah, Rebel Legion and Mando Mercs. Uh, but, yes, there was a virtual area there where you could go and and, and see some of the things that uh, that we do. And now a word from one of our sponsors. 
Hey girls, wanna look good for that hot date but not sure what to do with that mop on top of your head? I don't like this. Well, we have the answer. Here at Leia's Hair Salon, we specialize in every style for every occasion. They wanna wonder. For the captive princess out there, our trademark cinnamon Danish style is certain to get you noticed. Terminate her immediately. Plan on spending some time with the cute fuzzy natives of Endor? I'm not gonna hurt you. Our long and flowing look lets you accessorize your perm with any Ewok trinket the villagers insist you attach. We're also skilled with French braids, Alderaan wraps, pixie cuts, Wookiee layers, and much, much more. So what are you waiting for? Make an appointment today. Leia's Hair Salon, revolutionizing women's hair since 1977. It's not over yet. Be sure to ask about our numerous Naboo Queen and Nubian Senator hairstyles. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. so excited to bring you another special interview for this episode. I can't believe we managed to do two in a row. So I guess there is a slight benefit to not being able to go out and troop so much. We have more time to set up podcast content. So check out our chat with Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan and previously Lucasfilm Fan Relations Now. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the 501st Cast special interview. We have on guest Steve Sansweet. So welcome, Steve. So glad we could talk to you on the podcast. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. I don't know why we haven't done this sooner, but um, I'm very happy to be with you guys now. Yeah, yeah thank you we, very much. We've been uh, sort of, I don't know if motivated is the right term, but with the, the pandemic, we've found that we have had a little bit more free time to do some of these uh, interviews over Zoom. has been a lot of fun, so... I'm glad that we can get this set up and get to talk to you and yeah. get all caught up. Um, so, so for those who may not be familiar, did you want to start with like a brief history of your your Rancho Obi Wan, as we can see on Marcus's shirt? Well, once you watch this Zoom later on, you can't see it on the podcast, obviously. <laughs> but sure, go ahead. So um, I've been a collector all my life. I collected matchbook covers when I was growing up and uh, swizzle sticks from drinks from bars and uh, you name it. And um, I started collecting space toys in the mid-70s and then Star Wars came along and all of a sudden there was Star Wars stuff to collect and I was hooked from my very first viewing on the back lot of 20th Century Fox. So I started buying a few things as part of my space toy collection and a few things became a few things more. And then a few things more became 400,000 items, which Guinness world record says is the largest collection uh, of star Wars memorabilia and collectibles in the world. Uh, I don't know that anybody would be stupid enough to challenge me on that. <laughs> I've been, I've been collecting star Wars since the very beginning since, uh, well, even before I saw the movie, I collected one of the big booklets that came out for, uh, movie theaters to actually bid to run star Wars. It came to my office at the wall street journal, uh, where I was working as a reporter. Um, 
I left the journal after 26 years and joined Lucasfilm as head of fan relations and uh, director of content management. And when I retired from that job after 15 years, I had a big chicken barn that had been turned into a warehouse and had my collection. Um, and we decided, Ann Newman and I, uh, who is the general manager of Rancho Obi-Wan, decided that uh, we were going to uh, change ourselves into a 501c3 um, nonprofit corporation and be able to do tours for the general public. And in November of 2011, we inaugurated uh, Rancho Obi-Wan as a uh, nonprofit corporation uh, containing the collection. Um, we've since expanded to 9,000 square feet in the museum. We've got another 6,000 square feet of warehouse space in downtown Petaluma. And uh, we're totally out of space. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's been it's been a great thrill to be able to uh, visit with people from all around the world who have come to visit us at Rancho Obi-Wan. And we also uh, have exhibits at the uh, Star Wars celebrations. We were planning our big exhibit uh, this year. Unfortunately, as we all know, celebration got canceled. Um, we've done some exhibits at some other shows too, but celebration is our main one. And we look forward to doing that again in two years. Uh, hopefully the pandemic will be way behind us by then. Here, here. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, Steve, when you, um, when you established the, the nonprofit organization, when was your first tour? Was it the same year? Yeah. The first tours were in November of 2011. Okay. Um, we had it, we had uh, um, people coming before that. I mean, I moved up here in '98. The warehouse was ready. The what I call the warehouse at that point was ready by '99, and so we would have people like members of the 501st and Rebel Legion and friends that I had met on doing my uh, my Star Wars shows on the road for Lucasfilm all over the world. So we had frequent visitors, but it was nothing that was really organized. Now we have a cadre of seven or eight docents who do, uh, when we're open, um, we do uh, tours every Saturday morning for groups of 10 to 12 people, and they last two to three hours. And the tours are not just about looking at stuff, but it's the stories behind the stuff and how I acquired something or um uh, why something was done or how could they make something so stupid and and all of the the bootleg items and the fan made items and the stuff that I consider folk art things that I really love that come directly from the fans themselves um, why don't we touch on uh, how you're dealing how the museum's dealing with the pandemic right now and what you're you're offering so folks can still visit well, we we have a couple of ways of doing that. We had to shut down the tours in early March, and uh, we were hoping to do uh, resume the tours. Everybody was hoping to get back on their feet fairly quickly, um, uh, like the rest of the world has done. And uh, we were planning our big annual gala, which is our main fundraiser. And we were planning our big uh, celebration booth, which is another way we raise money from the shop that we have there. But all of that, of course, has been closed down for the foreseeable future. 
So we had been talking for years about doing a virtual online museum, and um, we uh, we got our act together, and we uh, we quickly Anne and I quickly put something together, and we started building up uh, a volume of video and photos. We have a photo database of more than sixty six thousand photos of objects, but also events and tours and things of that nature. And so we now have, in addition to, you can become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan, an annual member of Rancho Obi-Wan and get a, um, a membership kit, which consists of the annual patch. Marcus doesn't collect patches, so he wouldn't know about anything <laughs> like that. Do you collect patches, you guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... That's one of my failings too. Five of the first patches. Oh man. Um, but um, so we we have the membership kit, and now we have the virtual museum. So you can go to RanchoObiWan.org and click on the virtual museum and find out all about it. We have five subscription tiers, uh, ranging from five dollars to a hundred dollars a month, and surprisingly. Um, or not surprisingly, according to Anne, we've got quite a few people at that high level of, uh, of subscription, which really helps us maintain the museum and the collection. None of the money that we raise either from membership or subscriptions goes to buying items for the museum. It's all maintenance and, uh, security and, um, insurance and things of that nature. Um, the collection belongs mainly to me, except if things are given directly to the museum. And um, I lend the collection to the museum for zero dollars a year and also the use of the uh, of the building, which uh, up until the early 1970s housed 20,000 hens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, we still have some chicken feathers around here. We also have 17 chickens. I was going to say, you and still br- have chickens. Brought back, we brought back the chickens, and we have a nice uh, chickens, cats, and dogs. Um, so as far as the uh, as uh, the virtual museum goes, we have five different content categories. And each level is a new, um, a new level of content and includes all of the content from the previous levels, just like a Patreon site would be or, um, something of that nature. We have photos, we have video, we have text. Uh, you learn all about Rancho Obi-Wan, all about collectibles, events, behind the scenes. We're going to get into some creepy places that Anne has never been to in the 11 years that she's been at Rancho Obi-Wan. You know, I keep threatening her. We're going to push her up there with a the camera and see. She still thinks there are live things that are making noise in the night up in the uh, loft, but uh, <laughs> hopefully not. Um, and then um, since since once again, Anne insists that people are interested in finding out about me, we do videos at the higher level about my life at uh, collecting at Lucasfilm, at the Wall Street Journal, how I started college years, things of that nature. So it's the autobiography that I will never get around to writing. (laughs) Every month we have a poll. Um, We take questions from subscribers. And I've I've sort of uh, taken the name from the column I used to do for Insider Scouting the Galaxy. Hmm. So people can ask questions about their collectibles. Um, We have a uh, Never Tell Me the Odds. So every month people can send in 
four digits, a four digit number. And in our photo database, every photo is tagged with a four digit number and there are duplicates of these four digit numbers because they're automatically assigned. So we pick one number at random and we show all of the photos that that number is attached to. And then Ann and I try to figure out what the heck those photos are <laughs> out of 66,000. And then we also have loyalty gifts, depending on the level of membership and the length of time. But it's a lot of fun. You can take a look at it. We have some free content uh, to start you out. And uh, it's a it's a huge help, and it, it's going to help get us through the pandemic. And I can totally see this as something people are going to utilize from you know, either across the country or from other countries that are not able to travel to your museum in person. Right. And of course, nobody can travel to the U.S. now since we're, uh, we're, on, everybody, we're on everybody's S list. So, uh, but even after the pandemic is over, I think uh, people who say that Rancho is on their bucket list, but they can't um, they can't make it over here from, uh, we've had people from Russia and Vietnam and Abu Dhabi, and, but, but it's difficult to make that trip. So um, this is a great way for international fans to get a real feel of Rancho Obi-Wan and what it's all about and what I've been doing for the last 40 years of Star Wars craziness. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I love seeing how different companies, different, uh, you know, uh, organizations like yours, you know, have pivoted, you know, to, you know, because the entire, you know, business operations can't be run the way that they were before. So that's fantastic. You were able to, to do that so quickly. And not only that, to satisfy the people that uh, would normally be going, but as you said, with people who couldn't make it anyway. So, well, Todd, Todd, you've just given me an idea. I think we're going to print up giant photos, six foot tall photos of fans, and put them in the room, just like Major League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have virtual tours with actual fans coming along. And there we go. Yeah. And will you be doing the voices? <laughs> take, take their cardboard cutout, you know, throughout yeah. the tour. <laughs> no, but we'll we'll use some we'll use some existing voices. There we go. <laughs> I love Baby Yoda. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of uh, fans and uh, your exposure to fans, um, I think Nikki, you want to touch on that too. But this week would have been. Um, San Diego Comic-Con, and 16 years ago, you announced the title of episode three. Um, was How many SDCCs have you gone to? Do you, do you recall? I started going to San Diego Comic-Con International in the, uh, in the early 80s um, as a fan. Um, at that time, I was working in Los Angeles as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Later, I became bureau chief. Um, and then started doing uh, presentations for Lucasfilm at San Diego in 1996. And with one exception, I think those presentations ran from 1996 to about uh, 2009 or 10 um, that I was doing the presentations. And it was always a thrill for me. 
And, and in the off years between movies or when we didn't have anything, it was a real challenge. I remember the second San Diego Comic-Con I did, I convinced George to let me show some cut footage from Star Wars, the famous Biggs footage, which had never been seen. And so uh, that was a, a lot of fun. Uh, but as you mentioned, the, the, the biggest thrill of all was doing the title reveal in 2004 for Revenge of the uh, Sith. And um, we also had Rick McCallum, the producer on the panel, Hayden Christensen. We had Carrie Fisher come out and talk about the release of uh, a new set of DVDs. We're supposed to have Mark Hamill, but he got tied up somewhere over in uh, some hotel with some other interview. But it was it was uh, very exciting. And um, I was wearing an overshirt that, that said Sith on it. And uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, the, the junk calls that we get here are really great. So I was wearing this overshirt that said Sith Lord on it. And then I was wearing that and it was, it was rather big. I think it was a 2XL but I was wearing a t-shirt underneath that I wanted to hide. And so everybody's looking at me in this oversized shirt that I was doing all these interviews on. And then I played this video. Uh, I said, um, you know, one thing that Star Wars fans always look forward to is the title of the new movie. And then I had asked our video department to do this tease. And so we went through episodes four, five, six, one, two, and we spun up just some famous shots from all of those movies and then the title. And then we had some behind-the-scenes shots from episode three, and then the film looked like it jammed. There was static, <laughs> and people went, oh, and then it spun again, and then Revenge of the Sith. And people jumped up. I can remember one guy in the, in the Hall H, and I think that was the first year we had Hall H, too. And so there were like 5,000 people plus in there. And this one guy jumped up on his feet and just went, yes! And I thought, it's only a title. And then I said, <laughs> then, I, then I took off the outer shirt and showed the Revenge of the Sith logo in the old style. And I said, and coincidentally, this shirt is now available at the uh, Lucasfilm Pavilion at the Star Wars shop stand and the comic-con people told me they have never emptied hall h so quickly in their <laughs> lives people were just running out and it was just like craziness it was just a lot of fun and that will be a cherished memory for me of from san diego for a long time to go um so earlier you had mentioned uh that you were <sighs> Uh, getting ready for your Star Wars Celebration booth. Um, I don't know if you can give away any spoilers of uh, if you had anything cool planned that are you still going to try to um, orchestrate it for 2022? Or Well, that's a good question. Um, 40 years ago, there was a certain movie that, uh, that opened. And uh, so we were going to celebrate uh, along with Reed Pop, which asked us to do that, but we were going to do it anyway. We we're going to celebrate the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. 
and we had our plan. We had the whole booth sort of laid out already. We didn't have the final size and everything, but uh, based on the size of our booth in Chicago, we we're going to ask for the same amount of space and um, had some idea of what we we're going to show from Empire, some really big pieces and um, and then some, uh, you know, shelves of toys and collectibles and uh I don't know if uh the 42nd anniversary is going to be something that we're going to want to uh I mean I think I think we'll we'll sh what was that maybe the 30th of uh by 20th of Attack of the Clones doesn't have that that kind of impact but yeah it, it will be Attack of the Clones will be the 20th yeah in 2022 uh, I don't think we want the whole booth to be Attack of the Clones, <laughs> but I think, you know, part of it can be Empire Strikes Back because that is the favorite picture of so many fans. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see, but uh, we're, think, we're looking forward to that. I think 42 is still a nice milestone number. <laughs> it's like the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Isn't that how it goes from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? So mm -hmm. it's, it's still like a milestone number. And it's my age. <laughs> or the 25th anniversary of the special edition. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, I mean, I, we can come up with lots of anniversaries, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if I remember correctly, Celebration 6, I think, was your first um, booth. Is, is that correct? Or... I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, did, so we um, I'm sure you were asked, or how did you establish that that presentation? I guess. Well, we were asked by Reed to okay. do a to do a, an exhibit, and and we neither we nor Reed had an idea of what exactly that was going to be, but they gave us a certain amount of space. I think 900 square feet, and we set up our our booth and Anne really planned it out and drafted it and uh, we came up with a, a whole variety of things. We've had so much fun putting these booths together and figuring out what fans would like to see and not repeat ourselves. Um, and Chicago, um, was it just last year? It was just last year, wasn't it? <laughs> just <laughs> Chicago. Crazy, crazy. And um, we were celebrating. Uh, we were celebrating 20 years of celebrations as one part of our booth and Star Wars female fandom. And then we had a wonderful display of uh, buckets or helmets for those uninitiated. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was a lot of fun putting together. We went through all of our our posters, our art from all of these celebrations where they've had Artist Alley and try to have a piece of art from each of the, uh, I think, 13 celebrations, or this was going to be 13, I'm forgetting. But uh, that was uh, that was great fun. So each of the celebration booths has been different and will continue to be different, show a lot of stuff. Yeah, I have loved how um, well curated your displays are with the, the theming and also uh, the walkthrough. Um, how you have, you know, a certain pattern for people to like a art gallery kind of, um, effect right. that, um, it, it really allows people to be able to take time and look at the different displays and, and not have all the traphic be all haphazard. So. 
And of course, there we have our general store because Star Wars fans <laughs> love to buy things. Yes. And there's so much to buy at <laughs> Celebration. So that's that's one of my problems because I'm in the booth most of the time. And what's out there on the floor? What am I missing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> People come to the booth and they what did you buy? So uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, vicarious and shopping. Well, I think every every fan, uh, just about every fan at uh, the last celebration had their own swag. Um, people people had patches and pins and cardboard cutouts, and it was just amazing. And I love that stuff. I, I love that stuff almost more than, or maybe more than some of the stuff that you can buy. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like the past two celebrations, there's definitely been this growing movement um, where participants have been creating their own swag just to give away when they encounter people. So that's been really cool to see the creativity. And then you have 40 member clubs that do patches and each of the 40 <laughs> members has their own patch. And I say, how can you get a full set? Well, you've got to track down all 40 members. <laughs> right. So... So, Steve, yeah. I wanted to uh, ask, you know, it's like with the uh, collection that both at Rancho Obi-Wan and what you bring to celebration uh, exhibits and such, now it, it runs the gamut, right? Everything from official screen use to fan, uh, you know, art and commercial items, um, you know, you're still receiving things today. You know, we have so many more Star Wars properties and everything that's going on. You produce some great videos I see on uh, your social media pages, some unboxing and things like that. Are you, uh, you know, focusing on any aspect in particular as you're growing the collection still? I think in the last 10 years, especially, my tastes have run to the fan-made items and the art. And we, we now have in our art gallery takes up one whole wall of our gallery and it's the only place in the entire museum where it fits is the world's largest star wars painting and it's actually an oil painting it's called the uh, 20th century space fantasy by robert xavier burden a san francisco artist and it's toys i mean it's the perfect piece uh, to be on long-term loan to rancho obi-wan it's 15 feet long by eight feet high and it's brilliant colors with brilliant backgrounds. And um, it's about 150 uh, original trilogy toys, mostly action figures, but some of the creatures and some of the uh, some of the play sets and the uh, vehicles and things of that nature. Um, but uh, I've been collecting the art for a long time and then the the art figures that, um, you know, some people may call them bootleg figures, but they're really not. They're limited edition um, designer figures, I guess, uh, or urban artist kind of thing. And uh, uh, these really these really attract me. There's a piece that I still go back to that I've had for maybe 30 years that somebody found for me at a flea market and just thought I would find it amusing. And it's a hand-carved and cut uh, ad ad. And uh, we don't know the story behind it, but, um, you know, my story is that somebody's somebody's dad or maybe mom um, couldn't afford an ad ad for their kid at uh, a Christmas or a birthday, 
and went into the wood shop and and cut this wonderful piece with legs that move back and forth and a head that swivels and two holes drilled in the top to put in your action figures, your stormtroopers or whatever. And um, to me, that's a piece of folk art. And um, and what's being produced these days, um, they, they don't have to be brilliantly made like a six inch Hasbro uh, uh, action figure, but it, it just shows the creativity and the passion of Star Wars fans and artists to take part in George Lucas's sandbox and today Disney's sandbox since Disney still isn't going after these people. So <laughs> we don't say anything about that. But I love that kind of stuff. And we've done, uh, we've done a book. Ann and I did a book called Inspired by the Force, which is available on our, uh, on our website. And it's, it's totally consists of, it's a full color book and consists of all of these artists made, uh, objects and, uh, stories behind them and how they came to be and how we came to get them. Yeah, your your AT-AT story reminds me of one of the toys that I was drawn to at Galaxy's Edge was actually the little wooden sand crawler with a little tiny wooden Jawas. That that kind of style of toy. Yeah. And that 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 reminded me of the uh of the wooden AT-AT. I mean, it's such a clever piece and it's it's the toys at Galaxy's Edge are so most of them are so in fantasy which is what I love about them. They're roughly, they look like they're roughly made, that they could have been sewed by hand. Um, and they're just very cool. And I, I, I thought, yeah, oh, well, there's going to be a lot of merchandise there, but I don't need to get that stuff. And boy, <laughs> was I hooked. <laughs> so I love that stuff. Uh, to uh, kind of go back to how you were saying that uh, you're, 501st Patch Collector, um, one of our members was curious if you had a favorite 501st Legion-centric item in your collection. Oh, my. I've got a lot. Um, well, the thing that that I really love that's, that's sort of history for me um, and is tied to the 501st is we have nearly all the flags from the flag uh, uh, squadron of the Rose Parade um, because Lucasfilm was storing them and then they needed to get rid of them for space reasons. And instead of throwing them away or knowing what to do with them, they said, Steve, can, are you interested in these? <laughs> and, and one of my good friends who was a member of the flag squadron gave me one of those white belts that you put around your waist and then has the, uh, the holder for the flagpole. So, um, you know, that's something that I, I truly, uh, truly cherish. Um, there have been, um, uh, sculptures um, that people have sent me from the 501st, one, one in particular from uh, Spain that's a, uh, a stormtrooper and uh, 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 an R2KT. Um, so uh, the, the Spanish garrison uh, does a lot of work with uh, R2KT and taking R2KT to the hospitals, the kids' wards and things like that. So that's a really nice memento. They sent one to Alvin Johnson and sent one to me. So um, 
those are among my favorite pieces. And then the one or two patches that I have that, <laughs> that a, a friend from the 501st has been organizing for me. I mean, she's with the pandemic, we've we've had a stop, but she's been doing it. Um, she has spent countless days um, just getting things in order. And then I find another batch in another box and she goes. Ah! <laughs> so it's great fun. Great fun. Uh, speaking of the, the Rose Parade, do you have any, you know, memories of that or when you trooped with the 501st at Star Wars weekends that you might want to share? I love doing Star Wars weekends. Um, that was uh, that was one of my favorite things. And trooping with the five hundred first, and I, uh, I'm trying to remember. I borrowed somebody's uh, um, Imperial officer costume because um, I didn't have a stormtrooper costume with me. Um, I am a member of the 501st, you know, not only a, a, I first became an honorary member and then they tricked me <laughs> into becoming a member when I retired from Lucasfilm and we were having our retirement dinner and it was at, uh, uh, right as part of a convention, uh, WonderCon in, um, San Francisco and, um, you know, Ann and, and, uh, Garrett Jones and Consetta Parker, Paul said, you know, Garrett, Garrett's getting a new Stormtrooper costume and, you know, he's willing to sell you his. And I said, well, I don't know if I need a Stormtrooper costume. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll fit it for you and everything. And <laughs> and so Garrett brought over a Stormtrooper costume and we started fitting it. And and said, oh, let me take a picture. And, yeah, long story short, this <laughs> becomes part of a picture of me. Uh, that got me approved for 501st membership that I didn't know about. And then there was a, an image of me and all the information. And they, they gave me a number that would, uh, I wouldn't forget because it was part of my street address. <laughs> <laughs> they knew me. And, um, and so, uh, that was a wonderful evening. And I, when I became part of the, the official 501st, um, Marching in the uh, in the uh, Star Wars Weekends Parade was uh, was a great honor, um, and uh, uh, I loved doing that. And there were there would be people at the at the beginning when we were coming out of the the back of uh, the lot. People would call it, "Hey, it's Steve! Hey, Steve!" You know, that was that was great. That was really uh, really wonderful. I miss those days. Star Wars Weekends were great. But of course, every weekend is now Star Wars weekend, so <laughs> just a little different. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely favorite troops for a lot of uh, not only our Florida garrison, but so many troopers would travel in for that. You know, even right. my husband and I drove down from New York one year to to march in Star Wars weekend. So that was our first trip to to Disney, and it was very memorable. But all good things <laughs> come to an end, I guess. Has anybody gone to Disney since they've reopened? No. no. Marcus is the closest. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still a little leery of that with yeah. Florida being, huh? Not as closer. He's in San Diego. Yeah, no. You're you're a little closer. Yeah, no, I haven't been up at all. Just you know, not ready yet. You know, it, uh, there was a great, um, you know, a meme that I. I, I 
uh, what's my, oh, how to go? My freedom is based on other people's choices. So yeah. <laughs> I think I'll just wait a little bit longer. Yeah. And I guess they haven't opened the California park yet. So, um, no, just, uh, they, they just had, the Florida park. They had talked about opening up downtown Disney at one point. But right. I think Cal- that's open, yeah. but I don't know if they've closed it back down or not. When can we get out of this mess? <laughs> you know, well, like uh, I said, I've been very interested on in how people are working through it, pivoting in different ways. Uh, you know, many of our uh, garrisons and members are doing the same. You know, I know, uh, as I mentioned in uh, when we last did a Q&A for the uh, uh, 501st page, we've mentioned that one of the events that our garrison had done had done a virtual dance troupe. So there was an organization that needed people to be dancing and they wanted to have members dancing virtually with them. So there were Tuscan Raiders and Stormtroopers and TIE pilots that were dancing at home along with uh, the organization. So it's, it's really interesting the way that, uh, you know, places can, you know, say pivot to, to handle it and still be able to, uh, you know, support community. That's great. And that's, and that's sort of what our virtual museum is. And, um, you know, in addition to helping us, it, it, it's a way to keep in touch with our, our fan base and our collector base. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great to see the participation in that and in the membership numbers, um, which is, uh, keeping fairly strong. So, uh, we're, we're very happy about that. We're very, uh, we're very, uh, appreciative. Fantastic. So there's been some other, uh, you know, Star Wars, you know, news, uh, you know, as far as new series and things like that. So wondering, um, how do you feel about the uh, the new shows like yourself as a fan, like The Mandalorian? And of course, there's the new announcement uh, with The Bad Batch. Are, are you excited for those or how do you feel about them? Well, I love The Bad Batch uh, uh, arc. I thought it was uh, I thought it was great. And um, um I think that was, I'm not sure now. We saw four episodes of, uh, of, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the final Clone Wars, uh, season at, uh, uh, the Letterman Digital Arts Center. And uh, it was probably not the Bad Batch though, now that I think about it. But, uh, the Bad Batch was great. And so I can see that going forward. And I think that's going to be fun. As for the Mandalorian, I'm not very excited about that. <laughs> As he holds up a, a stuffed baby Yoda, the cutest thing ever. I was going to say, I don't know. I used to have mine over here, too. We could have our baby Yodas talk to each other. Let's all show our baby Yodas. Yay! I don't think I have mine over here anymore. Oh, no. no very cute is, yes. <laughs> No, I love the Mandalorian. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it, uh, it it just showed. I mean, it was great to see the excitement of so many people who were attracted to it. Especially, ah, there we go, there we go. <laughs> is that is that the um, Build a Bear one? Yeah, this is the Build a Bear one. Yeah, that's what mine is here. Yeah, so I, I really like this the sound chips in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, when I first got it out of the box and I pressed the hand, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what the oh, sound chip was going to There we go. There's Marcus. 
<laughs> I don't know, Todd. You're the odd man out. <laughs> I don't have one yet. Because, you know, I do see that, you know, it's at Walmart and things like that, but I, I haven't been to a Walmart in months. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I haven't I, been out very much. I mostly have any of these that I have is because I pre ordered them like in December. So, right. Yeah, getting the Build-A-Bear one with you know, the virtual line online yeah, and wait an hour and then, you know, you're down to four people and then, it, oh, sorry, line has ended. Try again. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. even try it for any of the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives because I saw what was happening with the, the Hallmark Pop stuff and it was just like gone in three seconds. So Yeah. But The Mandalorian was great. I'm looking forward to the Obi-Wan series because, of course, Obi-Wan is my favorite character. And what Ewan was able to do with Obi-Wan and the prequels was just amazing. And so uh, having him back um, to do a TV series, a limited TV series, is uh, is something that I'm very much looking forward to. And... Um, and we'll see what else comes out. Of course, the announcement just came this week that Disney was pushing back all three of the uh, Star Wars movies, the next trilogy, to start in 2023. But um, I think there'll be plenty, uh, plenty of stuff to see. There'll be certainly one more season of The Mandalorian and probably a lot more than that once people can go out and start shooting again. And... Um, We'll see uh, the Bad Batch, and of course, that's the, the great thing about animation is that you can work on animation even during the pandemic from from home. And um, I'm sure there will be other things coming along, so uh, there will be enough fun. to keep us. The High Republic, I think, is is still on the slate. I think, right? Yeah, for uh, for all the books and comics and things of that nature. So there's plenty uh, plenty of Star Wars out there to keep us busy and satisfied. The yeah. Cast Andor series. What was that, Marcus? Uh, the Cast and Endor series too. Yes. Yeah, if that happens, I, I don't know that that has actually been confirmed, has it? Um, yeah. It, well, it was announced anyway. It, yeah. it, it was. Yeah, because Alan, Alan Tudyk was supposed to be playing a K2SO in the series. Yeah. That's right. I saw that. Okay. Yeah, yeah that that would be good. I, yeah. I loved uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So, good movie. So, uh, do, we, do we know what timeline Obi-Wan is set in? The Obi-Wan show? Is it after? At some point where he's alive. <laughs> well, that's good. Where the whole series, Force Ghost stuff yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, it has to play in blue, translucent blue makeup on the whole series. <laughs> um, that's a good question. From a certain point of view, that's a good question. I I would imagine it would be you know after episode three, um, but uh, you know unless they try to fill in some holes. But uh, Ewan has gotten older, not younger, so. Uh, yeah. That'll be well, fun. Wanted to go through uh, a little game. It's called. Uh, it's it's a Q and A, right? Pulse okay. Blaster style. All right. So this is questions and answers from the galaxy's peacekeeping governments of the Galactic Empire and the First Order. You know, but these are rapid fire. We want to get the 
That's the, the quickest answer that comes to the tip of your tongue. You know, don't want to overthink it. It's just going to be. Nikki, you told me there'd be no quizzes. <laughs> this wasn't my idea. This, this is not trivia. This is okay. just, yeah, it, it's uh, your thoughts on the Star okay. Wars universe. Yeah, okay. So here we go. Number one. Of the following names, who is the most deserving to be encased in carbonite for his crimes or just general bad attitude? Jar Jar Binks, C-3PO, Luke Skywalker, or that laughing monkey lizard at Jabba's Palace? C-3PO. <laughs> I have this strange relationship with C-3PO. <laughs> no, I think Salacious Crump would be my... Oh, no, C-3PO, was the, that was the quick one. That's, oh, okay, okay. We got you down for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which of these titles is most accurate for Leia? Princess, your worshipfulness, or part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor? Part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. I like that one. <laughs> Who would you rather uh, kiss? A Wookiee, an annoying Gungan, or a Hut? Uh, a Wookiee. <laughs> Definitely, I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. <laughs> Did you cry when Chewie got his medal? Are the, your answers are either yes, heck yes, or I was a blubbering mess. Heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I, I think I know the answer to this one, but who's the cutest Star Wars character? Porgs, the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, or Grand Moff Tarkin? The child. <laughs> now, if I had said Grand Moff Tarkin, you would have had to have me analyze. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because we must all respect those that, you know, are in power and promote I the see. peacekeeping ways of the uh, the galaxy. I see. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for uh, playing uh, the rapid fire Pulse Blaster <laughs> q and <A. laughs> I loved it. <laughs> oh, anything else you'd want to share with our uh, listeners about how to, to help your museum or any other thoughts? Well, uh, we, uh, we can't wait for the day when we can open again to, uh, to real visitors in person, have our... Uh, have our galas again and uh, and meet people at the celebration. Uh, but uh, until then, please go to RanchoObiWan.org and um, if you can, become a member uh, or uh, uh, become a subscriber to our virtual museum at some level that you can afford and feel comfortable with. There's updated uh, video and photos and everything every month. And so uh, it would uh, be a big help to us, and I think you'd enjoy it, and it will keep us in touch. So, um, and uh, uh, let's uh, let's keep hoping that um, that with uh, the grace of the Almighty, we can get through this and uh, and and start to get together again. Definitely. Good words. Good words. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Steve. For Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Member shout out. Congratulations to Peggy Eisenhower, TK6197 from Georgia Garrison's Terminus Squad for being the Troop of the Month for June 2020. Here is one of her nominations. Since the start of the quarantine, Trooper Eisenhower has been organizing virtual troops with garrisons around the country and all over the world. She's been organizing Georgia's great Java Horde's virtual troops, which have allowed us to get to meet fellow Legion members 
all over the empire. DZ6197 has organized about one virtual troop per week, so I think we have done a total of 20 so far. Some of the garrisons we have trooped with include Mid-South, Empire City, Titan, Star, Badlands, Alaskan, Coastal California garrisons, plus international garrisons including Germany, Ireland, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Singapore, Israel, and several others. On each troop, members will introduce themselves and mention which kits we currently have, what we're currently working on, and future plans. In addition, we are making friends all over the galaxy so that once things return to normal and we can travel again, we have friends around the world we can go visit and troop with. And hopefully they will come visit and troop with us here in Georgia. So troops are open to all members of the garrison, not just Jawas, and all costuming groups. Frequently, we have people from previous Zoom calls who join us on subsequent troops. Lastly, DZ6197 has created a badge to commemorate each troop, so when this is over, we'll be able to print out stickers that can be added to our carrying cases. So yeah, I've, uh, as I mentioned, Mid-South was, uh, was one of them, and it was a neat thing. Uh, you know, it was very, you know, very relaxed, um, yet informative. You know, you see people that you haven't seen in a while, yet you, you see people that you've never met or you only Facebook friends with, so it was really a good meetup, and then um, as the shout out, or as the nominations, uh, one of the nominations said here that I read was that uh, you're always invited to troop um, any other meetups. You know, you don't have to be from that garrison. So, good job, Piggy. As always, our official home on the web is 501st.com slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and listen to previous episodes of the show. The 501st cast can be tuned in via iTunes, podcasts.com, or Stitcher. The 501st cast is an easy way to catch up on a few weeks of Legion news while driving, at the office, or working out. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you'll need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. Just look us up on Facebook as The 501st Legion, or go to Facebook.com slash The 501st Legion. You can also follow us on Twitter as at 501st Legion, or go to Twitter.com slash 501st Legion. Join in the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. The 501st Cast is also available on the iHeartRadio app. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it follows generally accepted ground rules for Star Wars fan groups. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright and trademark Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Used under authorization. To backtrack, CRLs that are not in place but not yet greenlit no, are... Sorry, typo. Okay. CRLs that are in place Got but it. not yet greenlit. Okay. They organize and distribute furniture, housewares, food and clothing to local animal shelters and rescue groups in the aid and support of animal welfare. They establish... I think you, I think you may have skipped a sentence. Oh, I did. I didn't hear you say veterans. No, I skipped a whole line. Uh, yeah, uh, start with, um, they organize and distribute. They organize? Yeah. Yes. That's funny. They bring clothing to local animal shelters. That's funny. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I see your point, sir.